Welcome back to another episode of Space in 60 with the good guys, Andrew Plipchuk. Yo, yo. And Chad <laughs> Baker. How's it going? Good. Man, it's awesome yeah. to see you guys. I've only been Chad, gone like five Chad days. Chad Top Gun Baker. That's Chad all Top I've been Gun seeing. Baker. Yeah, all, nothing but text messages from Chad about how awesome Top Gun is. I am so hurt over that. Like, I woke up at six in the morning and I had a text from Chad like, Top Gun is awesome. You got to go see Maverick. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but, 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 and like, <laughs> and you guys still haven't gone. <laughs> well, we were going to see it together. The three of us were going to see it together this summer <laughs> and you went and saw it with a lady. No, I actually ended up going solo. Nobody there would go you. with me. So I was like, I'm uh, just going. He just couldn't wait. He couldn't no. contain wow. himself. That's funny. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't hold on. Oh, well, I told you I'm like, going to see it a few more times. So we're, yeah. we're good to go. So we're going to go to San Diego. We're going to go to Kansas City Barbecue in San Diego, the Top Gun place that's there. You guys have been yes. there, right? I went there with you, Chad. Yep. Like, we're going to go there. We're going to have some food. And then we're going to go to IMAX. Go or Yeah. And then we're going to go watch Top Gun. Yeah. Yeah. So, they got so, the helmet and everything right at the bar. It's amazing. Don't let her hear this episode. Because when I'm, when I'm traveling, I'm work, work, work. Right. Oh, it's a good right. point. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no fun. No yeah. fun. None. Well, I, I got to say, it is good to see you guys. I've been in Germany for a few days now, and it feels like I've been away from you for months. I just miss you guys so much when I'm gone. I was about to say, is that good or bad? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I get that feeling from Verda too sometimes. Like, she's like, you've been away a long time. Like, well, how do I take yeah. that? Is that a yeah. good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> do you miss me or you want me to stay away? Mm, mixed messages. Well, Three I have, kids, I, she like, wants you I back hate, home. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I hate to use the show for this in front of like the entire world, but I've been waiting to tell you guys about what I did today in Germany. Like it's so I'm in Germany okay. for for like four or five days so far, and I went to this place today. So my wife says, "Hey, we're gonna go to this place and we're gonna go walk barefoot in the woods." I'm like, eh, that doesn't sound great. I've walked barefoot before. She said, "No, no, no, it's great." You walk on pine cones, you walk on rocks, and it's like, yeah, still not sounding that great. And eventually she talks me into it. We get there. And the first thing we do is we walk up to this little place and you got to pay to walk on pine cones and to walk on rocks. And like, this, this isn't working for me. But we go and we pay. We go in and we walk across first these stones barefoot. And I'm like, ow, ow, ow. And then we get to gravel. And I'm walking across gravel. And like, I grew up in pretty rural America where you walk on gravel for free as a kid in town. And it hurt a lot walking across gravel. Then we get to glass. And now we're walking across broken glass <laughs> in the forest. And we are paying to do it. But in the end, like it turned out to be this really cool thing. You go and it just hurts a lot to walk over this stuff and you walk in really cold water and it makes your legs numb and then you come out and it's like you're walking on sticks and then it starts to feel a little better and it's like when your dad says it'll feel better when it stops hurting that's how it was but it was a it was a it was a pretty cool thing wish you guys could have been there to go through the pain with me i'll just take top gun yeah i'm, I'm with chad on this one yeah yeah or like punch me in the arm or something 
Yeah. So your I wife is definitely <laughs> listening to this one and she building is. this story up. Yeah. So. In fact, I can see her out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be back in Germany. Lived here for a few years. And one of the greatest things is the sun starts coming up this time of year at like 3.45 in the morning. And it doesn't go down till roughly 10 o'clock at night. And later in the summer, closer to 11. So you get lots of daylight. Long, long days. A lot of long fun. Long days. Though. Yep. But today, finishing this up, we're getting a chance to talk to someone I've been looking forward to for a long time now, a couple of weeks. That's how long my attention is. Because past a couple of weeks, you pretty much lost me. But looking forward to it for a couple of weeks, Aaron Burnett of Spaced Ventures. Can't wait to have this episode. I think you guys are excited. Is that your excited face, Andrew? Andrew, no. blink. Yeah, blink. <laughs> not, not frozen, not, not Bluetooth. I thought he was frozen. But yep, so can't wait to have Aaron on the show. Let's click over to Aaron now. Aaron Burnett, welcome to Space in 60. Yeah, <laughs> into the deep end. Kicking it off. You, uh, you're you the first person to ever show up late for the show. So you're number Am one. I? Yeah. Hey. The very first person. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a terrible <laughs> reputation to have, but I'm sure all the people on my team would identify with that. They would definitely identify with... This is one of the points where you say, engineers, cut that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, remove This remove is where we piece. start talking about the, the professionalism, right? Right, right here. <laughs> yeah. So, so we understand you're trying to go pro, but we on this podcast are, are far from going pro. The, I think Chad's microphone is the most pro thing we've got. It looks good. It's just cardboard, but it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally better than my microphone. I mean, I depend on Bluetooth far too much and it's terrible the way that goes in and out. What are you going to do? No, no, no. That's the way of the future. The new Dell laptops have no headphones jack. So it's, it's, all, it's all in Bluetooth. It's a terrible future for relying on Bluetooth. I hate it. It's constantly cutting in and out, right? But someone, I've said this a couple of times, whoever fixed Bluetooth so it like is actually reliable and connecting probably like I, I feel like it's just instant utopia after that happens right like it's just perfect world <laughs> so andrew's first nickname is is thruster and we won't go into that one but a second nickname is bluetooth because he's always cutting in and out <laughs> <laughs> right there of, on the spot part of him being canadian i don't know it just it flows so where are you calling in from aaron that's a that's an awesome background that you have there yeah, it's a shipping container off the coast of Florida. Now, it's, it is, I am on the coast of Florida. I'm in a ground swell, which is a co-working space here um, on the space coast of Florida. And so I finally got myself a little 10 by 10 office. I got like a, a ladder in the background, so ignore that. But, you know, just starting to get it all retrofitted. And it does happen to have a lot of uh, shipping containers. And so this little office is butted up again, like right up against someone else's shipping container office. So. So with, with the price of airfare these days, is, is this how you're traveling in shipping containers? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, plus you're a tax haven as you go across the ocean, right? Yeah, I'm sure there's a, uh, what are those called? What are those duty-free stores, right? It's like a duty-free living or something, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you've got some great, great artwork there behind you. What kind of uh, imagery is that? That is the moon and Mars. These are topographic maps, like kind of a normal map you would have from NASA. And then they just, someone just kind of like a little of, you know, a little bit of our artistic kind of flair to it, but that's what it is. So it's the moon's on the right and it's got a little bit of color, obviously the moon is in blue, but the one on the left is just, you know, straight Martian 
orange or whatever. If you go in and look, get close to them, right? It's kind of cool to look at all the different stuff. You can actually see the real, real layout of the moon and Mars. That's great. And so you're calling in from Florida. Mm-hmm. What part of Florida are you in? It's Space Coast. I'm here in Melbourne, Florida. This is the southern part of the Space Coast. So the northern part would be like Cape Canaveral and where rockets take off from. You're close enough. You can still call it Space Coast. So yeah, it's no, it is Space Coast. Like it's Brevard County is Space Coast. That's like all the coasts, all the all the counties on the coast of Florida have their own little coast terms. Like there's like a Space Coast, there's a Treasure Coast, there's a Gold Coast. I think uh, you know all these different coast uh, names. So yeah, we're part of the Space Coast. And the uh, and the area code is three two one. They figured that out. A <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, when I first moved to Florida, I'm not terribly far from you. I'm in I'm in the Lake Nona area, and when I moved there, we couldn't get the three two one. They were like temporarily frozen, couldn't get them. And then a few years ago, they opened them back up. But I was dying to get a three two one. Yeah, I still have an area code from where I'm originally from, which is upstate New York, which is three one five. So I still don't have a three two one area code. It probably should change that. It feels weird when you change your number, though. So take advantage while you can. Stuck with it. it won't be there forever. So, yeah, we're really thrilled that you're able to come on the show. You guys, with the current company that you're working with, are doing something you're truly innovative in the fundraising world. And I was really excited when our team told us that we'd been able to book you on the show. I don't know if, if these bozos did their homework before the show but i think you you guys are doing some some awesome work tell us about your your platform yeah so i mean the platform really is just a response to a couple of things one is like i wanted access for myself (laughs) to be able to invest in space companies so this is really back before there was a lot of the space facts even and so i really wanted access to be able to invest in space companies and it really didn't exist you know all honor and uh, credit due to Lockheed and all the big, you know, traditional kind of defense contractors and stuff, but just not as fun as investing in a SpaceX or what have you. Right. And so like that kind of lack of access to the public was bothering to me. And then also I was talking with space founders at the same time and same story popped up over and over again. I can't get two to 5 million. It was always a number there. I can't get that money to get in my thing in space, whatever that thing was, kind of satellite often cases until I already have revenue, but I need that to get revenue. So it's a big chicken and egg problem for the founders that I was talking to. Probably heard that story about 50 times and then realized there's a problem worth solving. And then, you know, I married the two problems together and they kind of solve each other. Now, you know, we're in the middle of building a marketplace. It takes, it's going to take time, right? You got to get a founder with some money that needs to be raised. And then you get some more investors and, you know, kind of keep building that up. But you know, we're building a space ventures really is all about introducing public market efficiencies into the private space market so that we can get a lot more companies funded a lot faster and ramp up innovation because ultimately I want to go retire to Mars or at least the moon. I mean, they got to do something here. And, and I'm not retiring like I'm not going to go out there and die per se. Like I'm not that sort of adventurer. I need to have like a hotel or something. It's, so there needs to be like a million people on Mars before I'm probably ready to go there and like retire or something. And so, yeah, I'm really need to ramp up innovation substantially because I don't think we're really on that pace within the next 30 years. And I want to be on that pace in the next 30 years. Well, maybe just to set expectations, a sea can on the Mars or, or moon would be good <laughs> enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not for me. I mean, I, like, there's a lot of people that are like, I'll be the first person, you know, I'll be the first thousand people. Like if I'm being realistic, I'm probably 
the millionth customer, maybe like the 500,000th customer to Mars, if you can put it that way. So let people work out the kinks themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when they roll out you the know? first four star, <laughs> four star, five star accommodations, there you go. Yeah, there's going to be a certain level of stars. I don't know what that is. I'm not like that picky when it comes to accommodations, but yeah, it needs to have a robe or something. I don't know. <laughs> and a continental Clippers. breakfast or whatever it looks like on Mars. Will be continental breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole Martian go. breakfast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the name of your site again? Spacedventures.com. So it's space with a D on the end. I don't like putting a branding that's not like just a little bit annoying to say and it kind of sticks with you after you, you hear about it the first <laughs> like lip chuck like it, it's it's a little bit hard but a little bit hard a little bit intimidating chuck. but very memorable oh yeah exactly like you, you don't really want to say it at first and then you figure <laughs> yeah. it out and it's pretty simple <laughs> exactly so yeah exactly yeah, I, what I is that lip chuck it's that's, ukrainian yeah it's it's andrew's oh, last name Pulip yeah chuck. well that's i was reading it and, yeah and so it's just Flip truck. Okay. That's it. I mean, it's definitely didn't want to be exactly the first like it. <laughs> it, was, it was, it's his third nickname. <laughs> the third one. Chuck, just Chuck. So are you guys like as space ventures, are you guys a fund? Are you a platform? Do you have like limited partners, general partners? Like how does it work? How's it different than normal VC? Yeah, we are really a platform. Technically, we have a FINRA membership license, whatever it's called, with the SEC to be able to conduct the platform to do regulation crowdfunding raises. So that's the technical kind of boring way of describing it. Essentially, what it is, it's a marketplace, right? Individual investors investing their own money can come to the platform and individual founders with their own companies and their own needs for raises can come to the platform. We sit in the middle, make sure there's not snake oil or something like that being sold and we help to present the the investors with all the risks that are involved and then it happens kind of organically that way. So that's the way, you know, that's the way it functionally works. So we don't technically have any money that we're managing on behalf of people. We aren't making investment decisions for anyone. It's a marketplace of individual space investors that are choosing to make their own investment decisions into companies. Yeah, so that's the way it functionally works. Now, if you've seen uh, there's other platforms that have done this for a while called the Republic, there's WeFunder, there's Start Engine. Oh, those are kind of the three big names. There's several others. So they tend to do any kind of deal, anyone that's willing to give some money up and pass a bad actor check. You know, they have various levels of due diligence and stuff like that. But, it, you know, you can have literally, I don't know, a new version of a craft beer next to a, you know, an app or next to a deep tech company, right? A lot of different types of things, and it's really dependent to have uh, on the founders to go find their investors and like market to them and bring them to the platform. We go a little bit closer to the venture or angel syndicate side, which is hey, let's bring people together that we know are investing in space. All we care about are space companies. We're we're not going to unload a craft beer or whatever, no matter how much we like them. We're not going to unload that here. This is all for space companies. So it provides that kind of level of noise reduction for the investor. We don't charge them any carry or anything like that. All the money gets paid by the founders that are coming in. So it kind of is an incentive for more investors to come to the platform. And so we bring those people together. We try and educate as much as possible. And yeah, then we just take deals that we think are high enough quality out to the platform and go from there. Do you think you have more value for the founders or do you have more value for the the investors? Like, where do you see yourself as the major play? Like, this is pretty interesting. 
as an intermediary, you kind of could say you, you provide founders value to both or one over the other, right? The reason we didn't go out and charge investors, the reason we went out and charged founders first was because it's kind of the marketplace standard that investors aren't really paying, especially with small check sizes. They're not paying much. And so we kind of said, let's let's reduce friction as much as possible for the people providing the cash and then build up that network as large as possible. Let's see, we have 10,000 users as of a few days ago. So something seems to be working there, but we just want to build up the world's largest community of space investors. Because then once that happens, we can bring in a lot more innovation to the industry. And then also one thing I like about it is it aligns us. You know, I believe this. It's easy to say when you're charging someone money that, you know, it aligns your interests or what have you. But I do feel that, you know, it aligns our interests with, with the founders, right? They're our customers. So where it's different than a VC model, a VC model is it's free to founders. So come to us. Well, I value, I promise. But you're really, they're really paying their LPs ultimately, generally in the end of the day. And so what that means is you're incentivized to do things like wait until the last second to put a check into a round because IRR is much better when you waited three months instead of giving the check when you originally thought you might get the check, right? Your IRR is better to wait. So, and at the end of the day, the LPs are the customers. So you really care about that IRR you know, calculation at the end of the day. So that's where we you start to see things that have become like these problems or annoyances that founders have with VCs or what have you. And it's not an end-all be-all, by the way. I'm not trying to say VC is terrible. It's just, that's the way the model is set up. The model is set up to work against founders in certain ways. And if you don't pay for something, you end up being the product. And so that's the way of thinking about it, right? So that's what we're really doing. We're taking that, let the founders pay us, which I'm happy to do, of course. But then we put a lot of effort into making those deals go out there. We do a lot of due diligence on the platform. It's not something we promote too heavily because we have to be careful about making it feel like they're less risky. We have a lot more smart people than myself looking at deals, like a lot. I think we're up to 25 or so people on our investment advisory committee which unfortunately, that's an IAC acronym, another one in the industry. And so that group is full of people that built Starlink for Elon, people that built Raptor engines and things like that are involved that are looking at these deals and helping us snip out snake oil or potential not great market fits or just saying, hey, not yet, you know, come back when we're ready here. So we can take that to the companies and there's costs associated with that. Same with you know the marketing and things like that, putting that together. So and it just the customers end up being our founders, right? Versus the, the being strictly our investors. But we do take equity fees as well so that we can be aligned with the investors too. We take the exact same equity as the investors uh, get. So we're incentivized to argue <laughs> for better deal terms. We're incentivized to make sure everyone wins <laughs> because we have the same equity. We're incentivized for everyone to come out making the uh, founders rich, <laughs> making the investors rich, make ourselves rich at the same time. So we truly focus. I care a lot. I, I kind of like probably to the detriment of some like, you know, getting products out faster. I care a lot about incentive structures and making sure we're all aligned, all different parts of the market. So yeah, I don't know. If it was a long answer to your question. <laughs> but it's great to understand the mechanics. And I think that that's really an interesting model. Someone looking at it from not a lot of experience in the financial services industry, they might compare you to an E-Trade versus a full-service brokerage firm. Is that fair? You know, traditionally, like the E-Trades or whatever, they used to make their money on trade fees. Now it's been a race to the bottom there. So we wouldn't necessarily be exactly that. I mean, it's essentially very similar to Kickstarter or Indiegogo. 
It's the same model, but with actual securities. So you can actually do investments. So if you're going to do any success fee, so we did, you know, our, our fees are success fee based, right? The founders pay to get their securities in order and all that stuff. You have to have your ducks in the line in a row or whatever before you can go live. So you're paying, there's actual risk there. But as far as our fee, we don't really get anything unless you're successful raising. So we're aligned there to be successful on the raise and we're aligned in the back end that way. So that's a success fee. And that's really pretty standard in crowdfunding. And then, but if you have success fees, you have to have certain licenses when you're selling things like securities or investment products. And that's where having a FINRA license to do these kind of raises is a requirement. So I think there's something like 60 of them on FINRA's site as last I knew. I think only 20 or so, don't quote me on that, are like even active. So there's not all that many options out there. It's not that big of like a competitive mode or anything. It's not that hard to go get, but you have to be serious and care. And you're not just whipping this up overnight. You have to like really want to do this, really want to deal with, you know, FINRA and, and all the oversight and all that stuff that's required. I wish the listeners could have seen your face when I asked the question about E-Trade because you were super nice in how you answered it. But I could see the look on your face. <laughs> your like, face you were, like, oh my you were super perturbed that I, I compared it to E-Trade. So I could tell you're absolutely <laughs> nothing like E-Trade. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes my face is a little expressive. Uh, but yeah, you know, I've had a brokerage account with Charles Schwab since I was 12. Like literally, so I had a custodial account that my mom had, obviously, because you can't have a brokerage account when you're 12 years old. Nice cover. So, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had the check. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's where that came from. Cause, you know, Schwab and E Trade back in the day when I was growing up, you know, E Trade was like the other thing. And I had some weird brand loyalty to Charles Schwab, probably because they were also my one of my job offers coming out of college was Charles Schwab. Or where I ultimately went, which was like Lexus, Nexus, Fortune 500 tech company, marketing tech company. So it's a kind of a weird full circle moment for me. But yeah, I don't have anything against E-Trade. That was the first time I've been compared to E-Trade. So I was like, uh, it's, I don't know why. But. Well, apparently I totally <laughs> missed it. So so we're all good here. Yeah, missed the money. Missed the money. <laughs> But yeah, right. the, the model I think is really, really interesting. And you know, you said you've been investing since you were 12. What drew you into the space industry side of investing? Because like not everyone kind of drifts that way. It's super capital intensive, a long time until you hit revenue. And it's not like trading a blue chip stock on e-trade. Like it's hardcore for a long time. What pulled you into that? So I've been a sci-fi fan for forever. So I grew up on Stargate SG-1, of all things. That's what I grew up on watching. I think it was Fridays. I, and maybe that's not even the day it, it aired. I don't know. But I think that was the day that my dad and my brother and I would watch Stargate SG-1. So, I, But that to me was very much in a box. Like that is like fun, very much the fiction side of science fiction, right? Like it's, it's not real. And so when I saw the Falcon Heavy landing, well, the boosters, you know, the Tesla in space and the boosters landing side by side, that essentially put like, I had like a mini existential crisis, right? Like my brain was like, holy cow, you know, this thing that was clearly fiction and clearly not real, it's just for fun or whatever is actually happening in front of my eyes. But is this real? Like it's really happening. So that really forced me to like essentially take stock and say, how, how can I make this my everyday life? Right? How can I add value to, to what's happening right now? And I think a lot of people had a similar reaction to certain things that uh, SpaceX has done. Or, and there's others in the industry that are doing really cool things, right? And they're inspiring people. But that was a very inspiring moment. And so 
that sent me on a, you know, this couple year mission of figuring out how I can add value to the industry. And originally I was thinking I was just going to get a job and do uh, marketing for a space company. And then I realized like most space companies don't really need marketing, at least not the marketing skill set that I had. A lot of them do need marketing, but it's more of just brand awareness and stuff. And my my marketing came from like growth and development of like users, daily active users and stuff like that. So you know, there was a little bit of a disconnect in what was there. And even now I'm seeing way more cool head of marketing roles open up <laughs> that wouldn't have existed just two years ago or three years ago. And so I was like, uh, kind of left with how can I add value? And so then it kind of dawned on me after talking with so many founders that, hey, there's some opportunity to help founders raise money. My old investment kind of hat kind of got switched on. And it's like, I've been hearing about reg CF and there's an opportunity to do private investing. And you wish you just had like an aha moment. I don't have one. It was like a slow flickering light bulb that finally was shining so bright. I, I can relate. It's like, oh, well, this yeah. is, yeah, <laughs> that's how it was for me. You know, it's like, um, eventually, uh, you know, I even knew that it was a thing and I took it to another company that was doing angel investing. I said, you guys should do this. And they said, we don't want to go down market. And I said, okay. And it still took me three months or something after that to say, maybe I should do this. It took longer than I would <laughs> I would like to admit, but hey, you know, it took some time. And looking back, it feels kind of linear. It really wasn't. I mean, as I was bouncing all over, trying different things. And eventually it, it all, I put the pieces together and said, let's, let's build this and, and see if we could make an impact on the industry. And hopefully we do. And so you're pretty recent though. When did you kick things off? When did you found the company, raise your money, all of that? The paperwork was signed or what have you. The, the ink was created in May of 2020. It took us about a year to get our initial wave of funding and then our license with FINRA. So you can't really, there's no such thing really as an MVP when it comes to a regulatory license. You kind of have to have everything done and figured out and planned and paid for <laughs> and then pay lawyers to help you navigate that too. So we raised, it would have been in late 2020, we started kind of our first really early round, friends and family round, if you will. And then in May of 2021, we finally got our license and then we did a kind of a protracted we call it kind of a private beta. We put something out there and I was not confident we were going to have error-free investments <laughs> right off the bat. You know, so I was just making sure our tech team was very confident, but still you can only you test so much, you put it out into the wild and you see what happens, right? And so we did that until September of 2021. So we're what, you know, eight months out or something from that point. Then we really just opened it up and and let it go. So yeah, I would I like to think we're eight months old, but technically from the paperwork, we're already almost two years, well, over two years old at this point. But as far as being out there in the wild and letting people interact and see the deals and things like that, we're only eight months old and have five deals done. So still very early days and building the marketplace is not easy. You know, it's pretty hard to get to your first big win as a startup in the space industry. Have you guys gotten there yet to have the first really big win or the the home run you've hit with with someone on your platform? I would say <laughs> it depends on who you ask. Like I I'm like so impatient and hugely aspirational. There's just so many more things I want to do. Right. The big win I want is to raise a million dollars for a company on our platform. We haven't done that yet. We've raised just five hundred thousand dollars for a couple of companies or close there to like four or five hundred thousand. 
still significant for those companies. They are like moving in ways they never would have been able to without that cash. But I'm like, ah, why can't I raise a million? That'll be one benchmark. Then the next one will be 5 million because that's the max you can raise with CF. So I really want to see that happen. And then the massive benchmark I want to hit is a million users. <laughs> because to me, that's like, okay, you know, with a million potential space investors, we can really do something interesting here. I don't think that's insane. Part of the reason I don't think that was insane is because I have a, a little bit of a track record where while I was going through this existential crisis of how I can add value to the space industry, I started just collecting all the content and curating all this content and starting to share it. And I shared it through a medium on Pinterest. I've shared it through the Mars Walkers account on Pinterest. And so within five months, that went from zero to three million, three million unique monthly viewers. So I was like, okay, there's there's some demand for it. Now that was worldwide and all this other stuff. It's not exact, you know, science to say, oh, well, they'll all be investors or something. That's okay. That was it was worldwide, no big deal. Yeah. Well, it's out there and people are all sharing it. The biggest countries. Like, that's a lot of users. Three million is a lot of users. Clint, it's your second influencer you're meeting now. I mean, like with the people that are on this episode today, I think we've got like four listeners. So, I mean, you know, Adam, like what are we doing wrong? We'll bump that up for you. Yeah, bump that up. Please help us. Help us get your episode out there. But that's that's incredible. Like getting to 3 million users of the site and your goal to get to a million users, like 5 million is the most you can raise for a company with that. With a million users, that's not huge to think that you can get there. But is there a max that you can take or a minimum that you're allowed to take with FINRA from individual investors? Or what are the restrictions around that? Can, can any mom and pop jump on there? Do they have to be sophisticated? What's the background on that? So the benefit of the CF you know, distinction is, and, and, and also the downside in the sense, because the, well, say the benefit, anyone can invest, right? Non-accredited investors, you don't have to be a millionaire, which is normally the limiter for accredited investing through angel investing. And that was part of me. I wanted to make sure to unlock to as many people as possible. Back in, back in the day, right? I was locked out. There's no real good opportunities. How do I open this up to as many as possible? To me, accessibility is incredibly important for the space industry. So like a couple of years ago, everything was about democratizing space. And the way we did that was with rides to space that were still several million dollars or several hundred thousand dollars, which doesn't really democratize much. But even so, it's better than it was before. And so I see what we're doing as a way of democratizing space in a way by creating access to early stage space opportunities. Hopefully it makes all of us rich along the way as well, the early adopters. But at the same time, it's really about giving access to what's really happening in the space industry. And I think ultimately what will happen, and you'll start to see it happen, is it'll turn space from something that's inspirational and aspirational to something that is inspirational and actually achievable, right? And there and very close. Because I don't think most people realize what's going on in space right now, like how futuristic it really is. It's very cool. There's a lot of cool things happening. There's companies building gas stations in space. That's a thing. That's a real thing. They're getting lots of money to do it. <laughs> so if you say that to most people, that blows their mind a little bit. They don't even understand how to visualize it and all this stuff and all sorts of questions comes up, which is fun. But it's also like it's really happening. And so I think just 
exposing that and kind of getting people to invest dollars will kind of force them to pay attention. And I think that'll accelerate everything along the way, in addition to the funds going into the companies and things like that. So anyone can invest. That was the very long answer to your (laughs) simple question, which was anyone can invest. And yeah, there's no restrictions. Now we have a minimum on our site of $100. And that's just based on costs and things like that, because we have to, by law, we have to do AML, KYCs, we have to payment processors get paid and all this stuff, right? So there's minimums for a $100 investment, essentially for that reason, everything else is pretty not required or restricted by regulation or anything like that. The companies get to choose what their minimums are. That's incredible. This sounds like a really cool platform. Andrew? Oh, I I think it is. Anything to add there? (laughs) I got three kids, so 100 bucks, I'm locked out. (laughs) (laughs) Kids are the great equalizer. Yeah, they are. Yes. Exactly. I'll tell you that. I mean, like, even $100 isn't perfectly accessible. So we're we're well aware of that. Like, I want to make it more accessible. But even so, minimums for space investment have gone from... So we were talking with people that were accredited. Okay. So people that, by definition, should be able to put in a lot more money. And they were telling me... Well, I wish I could just invest five thousand because everywhere else is a minimum of twenty-five or fifty thousand, and that's of all the money I have to spend on this kind of stuff. That's all of it in one shot, right? I'd rather diversify a little bit, and so even going from the twenty-five minimums that are mostly out there, even in the accredited space, down to five thousand is you know a massively going down to a hundred is essentially blowing most people's minds open to the point where they're like, "Is it too good to be true?" <laughs> it's kind of funny when people start asking that question. But, so how, do, you, um, you know. do you see yourself as a company going down the path of like a Robin Hood or something like that with fractional shares? And at some point, it's got to stop being worth it as a commercial entity to be able to do that. Like, is there a barrier? Is that $100 the barrier? Or do you think there's this fractional world that you might live in? Yeah, so the fractional is, is always a, a doable thing, but fractional doesn't really impact generally here. So in most of the cases... You can buy fractional shares already. Infinite Composites was out, and I think they we allowed fractional shares up to like the tenth, uh, or I can't remember if it was a tenth or a hundredth. It was one of those two, I believe. You could obviously round up or whatever if you wanted to. So that that really, there's no limit on that. The real limit is just general costs, and those do get better at scale as you start to be able to negotiate with payment providers to not charge you know a dollar for every ACH and to charge you know. 20 cents for every ACH, scale helps with those sort of things, right? Then all of a sudden, in theory, minimums start to reduce significantly. But there's there's AML KYC. So this is a requirement by law that you have to, you know, make sure everyone investing is not, you know, some bad actor. There's not people laundering money from drug cartels or something crazy, right? And so that happens in all of it. So all those costs, you know, at scale, it should get better. But yeah, there's not too much that you, it's not like a race to the bottom on that side. It would mainly be a race to the bottom on the fees charged to the founders or whoever's paying, right? That's where the race to the bottom will be. And ultimately, you know, I think what we really try and do is provide value to founders by just creating a real focus in the industry. I mean, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, Airbus Ventures, they reach out and talk to us because they want to know what's going on in early stage space too. Everyone wants a little bit of a filter because of course everyone wants to work with North of Grumman or what have you. It's not like they don't get inbounds. Right? <laughs> they just kind of want to see like who's got the best chance at succeeding. They don't want to foot the whole bill and they don't really have the time. That's not their business to mess around with that all the time, right? 
So those folks want to reach out to us. And just by planting your flag and saying we do one thing, it'd be quite a powerful statement. And so, you know, we get to have cool conversations with government agencies that you would know of <laughs> and things like that that are focused on space and and because that's what we do and that's all we care about. And it helps us really be focused with the deal flow as well as with our partners and provide that value to our founders. Because now it's like, hey, I know a guy over at Northrop or I keep saying Northrop, it's the first one popping in my head, but I know a person over here, I know a person over there. Maybe I can make an introduction to you. Those little things help. It's not everything to a founder, but they do help. And planting your flag and saying, I, I was able to be a part of Space Ventures does help a company from a brand reputation a little bit early on. And then they can kind of get the leg up for the next thing, whatever that next thing is, whether that's VC or another Civer or phase two or phase three, whatever that looks like, right? So, yeah. You know, like we've we've actually blown through the time super fast that we have with you today. But there's one thing I've been I've just been dying to ask you, and like it's totally out of context, out of place. But when we were setting up the show, we asked you to send over some promotional shots or pictures of yourself, and I think we got one in a SpaceX suit. That was the coolest thing ever. Easily the coolest picture anyone's ever sent us. And for all those people, I've already told them yours is the coolest picture you've ever sent us. This really is the coolest picture someone has ever sent us. <laughs> so is that actually in a suit? Are you like a Photoshop king or what? So my wife is the founder and owner of Out of This World Design, who's doing a lot of stuff. So I said, hey, can you Photoshop me into a SpaceX suit? So that is CN Proctor. That's her photo. <laughs> And I said, uh, you know, chop myself. So maybe, maybe with all these connections we're making in the space industry, I'll be able to somehow get someone who has access to a SpaceX suit to take a real photo of me someday, or just actually be able to go up. That'd be even cooler, right? And uh, a natural photo, that'd be awesome. For now, we're stuck with uh, Photoshop. And to make it a little extra color to that story, when you're using someone else's photo and Photoshopping yourself into it, lighting and all that stuff matters. So it took us probably an hour of looking through all of like our his wedding photos because that's all we had of that many <laughs> options. Right? Let's find let's find like where I'm just looking just like she is here and the lighting makes wedding sense. Is we'll cut it out. Yeah, yeah and then we put it in there and then and then she was able to touch it up so it actually feels kind of real. But yeah, it does look like I'm and I use that as my profile photo everywhere because kind of says everything about <laughs> what we do in one photo, right? And I love it. So but it's it's, it's just a great like a great smile and you look like you're in awe of whatever you're looking at and apparently it's your wife you're looking at so I mean that's great I mean that's that goes that plug yeah, there you go checked <laughs> up there you yeah go. that's a, that's an awesome photo I can't now wait till you that know comes for out. sure that I will be sharing this because I'll I'll take that quote out and be able to share that out to the world say look I you know it's pretty obvious uh, give me some brownie points I appreciate that yeah no no problem no problem. <laughs> This has been awesome having you on the show today. You're doing something that I've not seen in the fundraising world so far. And we see a lot of companies that come on the show, a lot of people that are either raising money or they've been in the business for a really long time and they've seen it all come and go. And, and I can say that what you're doing is is super unique, really cool. And I'd say that the last thing is, you know, if someone wanted to get on your platform, they wanted to see what you're up to, get in front of investors, Tell them, like, how do they do that? It's pretty straightforward uh, because it's open to everyone. Now, we are specifically open to U.S. residents. There's some rules around some of that. And there are some other opportunities. But generally speaking, if you're in the U.S., you're over the age of 18, 
you can come to the site and you can sign up and invest in that site, spacedventures.com. We try and do a good job of educating on the platform and you can see companies that are raising now and there'll be more in the future. So yeah, just learn about space companies. Uh, if you have some money to invest, feel free to do that. Take risk. It's, it's one of these things. I always try and make sure everyone understands when you're investing in early stage space, not just space, any early stage company, it's risky, right? So you need to make sure that you're thinking about that. Do not put your rent money in this because it's locked in. (laughs) It's locked in for a long time, right? And so think of it that way. Think of it in five, 10-year life cycles. And also think it's incredibly risky. Even VCs, even the best VCs only get like those 10x winners, those big winners. They come in less than 1% of the time, like truly. So like you need to think in that, in those kind of cycles, right? I need to diversify if I am going to put money out in as many players as possible and understand there's a lot of risk involved and it's a long-term risk. So, you know, that's one of the benefits of us having a large community of people, just all the the time risk, the liquidity risk and all that stuff. Not everyone has access to that money, no matter how much they do that type of money in their bank account at any given time. So it's good to have that access to people and and just let people uh, make those, those decisions to invest when they can and when it makes sense for them. You know, space investing is is different than rest of the world investing. And and I think when you go back to the old saying, when you think about when you invest in space, you invest forever. It's a long haul, long way to revenue. And that old saying, past performance is not indicative of future results. Thank God. We're going to get better. Like it's it's there for the long haul revenues in the future, but like it's a serious investment. And so it's been awesome having you on the show. We can't wait till this comes out and we all get to to hear you around the world on our show. And we hope you can pull in 3 million listeners as you promised. <laughs> holding you a, to it. We hard, have it recorded. It's a high test. It only took it only took us five months and I don't know, 300 little videos or something just to get to the 3 million unique monthly uh, visitors. But uh, we'll see. That's we'll incredible. See what we <laughs> well, great. Well, best of luck to you, Aaron. Thank you for coming on the show and uh, we'll see you around the industry. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Sorry I was late jumping on. I hope that that doesn't live on in infamy, but I appreciate the time. This was fun and yeah, look forward to the next time. All right. See you next time. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. See you guys. Oh, that was a great interview with Aaron. Yeah, it wasn't so much of an interview, but like it was just a good time. Some shows that we have just have a ton of energy, and this was one of them. It felt like, you know, kind of the beginning of it, just sitting down, having a beer with somebody and talking. Yep, exactly. Uh, a lot of fun. Speaking of beers. In Germany, great place to have a beer this time of year. I thought you were going to say, speaking of beers, will my wife please grab me another one? Oh. I was about, I was getting ready to see hey, dude, you know the head slap coming to across. Record this episode and you said that still. <laughs> I'm just trying to set you up and just kind of get a good laugh right. as your uh, head floats across the screen. So like, what do you think are the chances of that actually happening? Uh, zero to none. Zero to none. And so... So tomorrow, Clint is not going to be walking across uh, glass or rocks, but it's going to be like hot coals and, and flaming fires. Exactly. Exactly. And he's going to pay for it too. Yeah. Yeah. We should call oh, this episode man. hot coals because like, I'm serious. Like, I'll be walking on hot coals lately, later after this one. No, no. I like spacey trade better. Yeah. Spacey trade.
Yeah, we'll have to thank him. That is pretty amazing, though. Yeah, Aaron's a lot of fun. Like he had one of the coolest offices I've seen. He said it was a like a co-working space, but it looked like the inside of a shipping container and yeah, yeah, his sea can side and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was really cool. But you know, their platform is is pretty awesome. I don't think I've seen anything else out there like that. No, no, no. Fun that anybody can get up there and really kind of help push the industry along. Right. You're not really bound to being a millionaire, like he was saying. You can you could jump in and, and help this. Yeah. So the average Joe. Unless you're Canadian or outside of the US. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we'll open that up at some point. Uh, or, you yeah, know, yeah, he'll fix it. He'll fix it. If you're under 18, unless you have a parent willing to back you on it. Um, well, <laughs> uh, no, your your parents do the investing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wink. wink. Yeah, that was great having Aaron on the show. I actually can't wait to have him on again. We should have him on when we have someone else. We need to need him to give them a hard time. Like, I think he would be really great at that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited to get on the site and check it out because I feel like at some point it's going to be like on my taxes. What were you doing late at night spending money that you can write off? Just investing in <laughs> small dollars. Sure, where you were going funds. with that one? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so great. He's, you know, he's bringing investment to the common guy that can invest in the space industry, whether that's lunar, whether that's satellites, whether that's software in space. I'm excited to see it. And it's got to be great for the industry. So until next time, you know, same space and 60 channel, same space and 60 time. We'll see you next time on Space and 60. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Space and 60. Stay tuned as we explore new journeys into space with our upcoming guests and talk about the evolution of the industry. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. And we would love your input and feedback. So send us your comments and questions, and we'll try to feature them in a future podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode of Space in 60, where new space speaks. Space.